Welcome, everyone, to the Four Peers and Beers podcast. The Future of Real Estate, also known as Four, is the largest commercial real estate networking group in South Florida. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we have to turn to this podcast as a chance to stay engaged and highlight our members and talk about themselves and their businesses. My name is Jonathan Rosen. I'm the founder of Four. I'm also a JLL retail broker out of the Miami office, specializing in urban and high street retail leasing across South Florida. Alongside me, as always, I have Tyler Delapena. Thank you, John. Yes, Tyler Delapena, Office Services at Colliers International on both the landlord and tenant side of the business and star co-host of the Peer, Four Peers and Beers podcast. The star, the star, the star. Thank you, Tyler, as always. Today, we have an awesome guest, Erica Woodkowski. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks, guys, for having me. Of course, of course. So... Let's let's dive right into it, Erica. I mean, can you start off telling us a little bit about yourself, your start in the business, you know, how you got to where you are today? You name it, the floor is yours. Sure. So I had one question. You have to promise not to cut it out of this podcast. Um, but okay. I have one pressing question for Tyler, actually, from the audience. Ooh, the yes. Last... I like this. Last... I'm excited. This is the best <laughs> podcast yet. Okay. So the last time I saw you, you were about to be casted onto The Bachelor. And I had a lot of people ask me, how did you end up on this four podcast and not on Bachelor in Paradise? You know, so my life took a crazy (laughs) turn and it was between The Bachelorette and the four podcasts. And I said, you know, ABC, I'm, I'm sorry, but... I'm uh I'm conflicted. I have to be on the four peers and beer podcast. No, so I long story short, lady comes up to me at Starbucks. We start talking. Turns out she's a recruiter for ABC for the Bachelorette. Um, she, I sent them a bunch of stuff. I had a bunch of interviews, and it got to the point where I was gonna get flown to LA to go meet with the producers and a bunch of people. I didn't make it past that part of it and so unfortunately and unfortunately for abc they did not select me but yeah last time we were talking i was i was pretty pumped i was about (laughs) to uh i was about to be on the bachelorette you're about to be a true star and now you're just with jonathan whoa this this is expired three minutes in i'd rather i'd rather be the star co-host on the podcast no that's (laughs) that's funny i was pretty pumped about that but it, it kind of fell through so here we are all right i'm liking where this episode's going already i'm, I'm loving it this is great so, <laughs> all right erica's our, she's firing off questions i love it so let, let's go back to you tell us about yourself let's hear about your start in the business how you rose you, you where you game you know where you're at today let's hear it sure um so i've always been super interested in real estate I think more so when you're growing up, it's the residential side. I don't think a lot of us are very much exposed to the commercial side of it until very true. like later on in life. Um, so for me, I moved around a lot. My dad was in the military growing up. So we moved between Tampa and Korea, and then he was contracted through the government. Um, so we moved and I went to high school in Seoul, uh, went to FSU right after, majored Stone in Oles, real estate. Going Oles, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Went to FSU right after and majored in real estate, talked to a professor, and I was like, I want to move to Miami after college. Who should I talk to? He gave me the name of um, Donna Abood, who was my first mentor in the business. 
who was at the time a principal at Colliers International. Um, Very he cool. said, yeah, he said to go ahead and talk to her. I asked for the contact information and I drove up during, actually it was spring break and I'm actually mortified thinking about this because I showed up to her office. I made an appointment, asked her a coffee. She said, yes. And I showed up to her office in my spring break clothes, which, oh, is, probably, which is probably not great. Like, it's like uh, this girl parties. <laughs> like shorts and a tank top. And we ended up really um, having great conversation for about an hour and a half. And she offered me an internship after. So my junior year of college, I interned for Collier's and I graduated a semester early and just started working for them right after. I was exposed to brokerage and the commercial real estate side, kind of understanding it more and what it entails. And um, she put me in front of like the retail brokers, industrial, commercial, and the investment sales side. So got great exposure and then just moved down here after. And that's kind of how I got started in it. That's so a did, cool story. Yeah, that, that is. I like the spring break aspect and you still crushed the, the interview <laughs> to get the internship in the tank top. That says a lot. <laughs> it really does. Be, because that I think, says a lot. I think it tells you more that our business is so much about relationships and your connection yep. with people. Um, but I remember her saying when we first started the interview, you know, I'm not looking to hire anyone for an internship. Um, and retrospectively looking at that, I'm like, you know, it probably was the first impression, probably didn't start off on the strongest foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, just going for coffee shows up a little hungover, but hey, you must have I was not hungover, just, just oh, okay. All right. under, underdressed for it. <laughs> okay, under, underdressed, hungover, it's, yeah, it happens to the best of us. John's underdressed uh, every day. Pretty much. I think I wear a t-shirt and jeans retail, baby, let's go. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so, so that's great. Uh, it sounds like you had a very interesting start into commercial real estate and introduction to commercial real estate. So can you take us through a little bit more from, from that internship to, you know, your, your next positions and, and where you are today? Cause I know a lot of people want to hear about, um, your, your final step, which we'll get definitely get to. <laughs> the final step sounds so definitive, but yeah, just <laughs> Not, yeah. <laughs> the, final the most step. recent step, the most, the most recent, recent step. step. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So I was with Collier's, who at the time was locally owned. Um, Avis and Young came in and purchased that branch. So then transitioned to Avis and Young with the same team and was with them for about five years and just doing office leasing, tenant rep and landlord rep. And then was recruited by Cushman and Wakefield to go ahead and go over and join a team there and do agency leasing. And I kind of just got the bug to start my own thing and transitioned into that. And I'm sure we're probably going to get into what kind of made me jump into that later, but. Oh, um, we are. Oh, we are. So oh, we're getting into it. <laughs> so We want, we want to hear all things. Well, I, I can't be the first one to say the name of your new company, but anyone listening, Erica started her own company, which we definitely want to hear about. So if you want to let everyone know a little bit more about, your firm, I guess, to start, I think that'd be great to. Well, and John, let me, let's, let's start, let's start with a question before we debut the, the new firm. Um, okay. Okay. So Erica, um, I'm, I'm curious. And because I, I recently went through a switch as well. I've, I've seen some differences between the two companies I've been at um, for you. And let's, let's go ahead. The, the, the new name of your firm is, what is it? It's Whitco Group. And it's only Whitco Group. <laughs> It has like a little catch to it. And honestly, Wachowski, every time I, I like have it. to sell my email, 
it'd be too long and wit goes to the point so i like to no, know it's a it's a great name um so i was saying I, before the logo well done the logo is very Thank cool you. yeah so i'm curious for you um what what i guess what were the the challenges what was like the first step when you decided okay let me I want to try and do this. What was the what was like the first step, and what were some of the the big challenges you faced when you were going through this, you know, initially, and then trying to to pull it all together? Sure, I think I kind of mentioned this to Jonathan before. I feel like anyone who's in brokerage, it's such an entrepreneurial career. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to go out there, and it's commission based. I've never had a salary, um, so I've never had that comfort of knowing what a salary is. I've always just been on commission, and uh, just. The first step for me was just deciding that I wanted to do it. And because I had studied real estate in college, I was able to just sit for my brokerage exam. Um, It was during the pandemic. So I had to drive to Chicago because the um, soonest I could take in Miami was like months away. So I was like, okay, I have one month to study, drive to Chicago. One month to drive. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice little drive. just one month and pass this exam. Um, so there's a lot of pressure for me to kind of just get that done. And then of course, it's just setting up the corporation, which I think a lot of brokers already have um, and kind of right. just getting started. Right. Yeah. The, the, the all commission never having a, a salary you mentioned. I, I like the phrase comfortably uncomfortable is, uh, is the way we, we have to learn to be. Um, oh, a hundred percent. I feel like yeah. that's the slogan. Mm-hmm. Like if it's uncomfortable, yeah, you, you eat what you kill. That's the second well, slogan. Jesus, John. I'm sure. What? You've never heard that? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. On. We've all heard it. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't throw in coffees for closers because I feel like that's another ABC. Like, that should be the Come third on, that was statement. my next line. <laughs> yeah. Be closing, baby. Um, no, it's true. Like if you're uncomfortable, and I think I mentioned this to me before. If you're uncomfortable, it means you're getting out of your comfort zone, and it's probably something to do. Yeah. yeah. So that part's never scared me. I never, I, once I set my mind to it, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Right. And we're, I mean, I think we're all kind of at the same age where if you're going to take those risks, if you're going to try something like that, this is kind of the time to do it before you have uh, real, real expenses and, and kids and, and all that fun stuff. But um, sure. cool. So yeah. And like before I Before you get the bachelorette uh, expense account <laughs> that you probably were about to wreck up. No, ex- but, no, but... no expense account there. No, that's, uh, that's, uh, Anyway, it's but, all right. It's in the past. I know we're we're all upset about it. I would have loved to see you. I'm curious, but, but yeah, <laughs> I'm curious too, Erica. So I and my switch, I, I've noticed some differences between the firms, the two firms that I'm at. What would you say for you has been some of the biggest differences between being at a large brokerage house, you know, a big corporate type of company, and say Whitco Group or even a, a just a smaller boutique? brokerage what would you say are some of the the differences you've started to notice sure, and, how, and, think, and, and even adding to that I'm sorry but how how would you say your day-to-day has changed as well yeah I think the day-to-day has changed just from COVID in general I don't think anyone's day-to-day life is the same as it was let's say February very true um, <laughs> but I what was your first question? Can you go back to that? Yeah. So what, I guess two parts, but it's kind of the same. What, what are the biggest differences between call it being at a, a big brokerage house, CBRE, Cushman Wakefield, JLL, and being at more of a, a boutique? And then more, I guess, specifically for you, how has your day-to-day responsibilities changed now that you do have your own firm? And there's obviously some more responsibilities that come with that. 
Sure. So I think the main thing for me was when the pandemic came out, um, I remember reading an article and it was from one of the CEOs of the top two commercial real estate companies. And he had stated, I'm not sure how we're going to go out and do tours, how our brokers are going to go do tours with the pandemic going on. And for me, it was a light switch. It's like, how come residential real estate, they already have the Matterport set up, 3D tours, and it's already on all the platforms, and they're already able to adapt so quickly to this. And here, you know, there's a lot of commercial real estate firms that are maybe a little slower to adapt to the technology and um, the apps. And I just saw a huge opportunity in the market to kind of do things a little differently. Um, I have clients I want to service and I want to be sure that I could get them the best, whether it's products or apps or different ways of marketing their buildings out there. And yeah, so for me, I think the main thing for me starting the firm was kind of adaptability and kind of being able to kind of choose how I want to brand and go out there and implement new technology um, without having to ask for permission. Gotcha. And, that yeah, so a lot of a uh, lot of red tape usually at um, at these sure. bigger corporate and understandably you have shareholders. It's it's a whole different situation. But and I I totally agree. Um, the virtual tours, the Matterports. I don't think anyone had ever even said the words virtual tour before the pandemic. And I don't know if you've seen this, but recently got my my first lease signed with a group that never toured they saw pictures they saw virtual tours but they never physically Tyler with the plug the self plug right no there. but it's, it's it. interesting i mean <laughs> it's, i mean seriously though you would never you got a lease sign for someone for someone who has never toured a building to sign a three or a five-year commitment i mean it's you know before the covid You're 100% you would right. never you it's like there's no way but now it's it's so true and erica it's smart of you to see that kind of you know niche in the market where the technology, you're right, kind of lags in commercial real estate. So to be able to offer something different, something um, that has that technology, the virtual tours and everything, I mean, that's that's smart, but it's 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 true. Um, so yeah, very cool. Uh, that uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So Erica, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Can can you start off by by telling us a little bit about the company, what your you know what the the Whitco Group their focus is, what you're working on, stuff like that. Sure. Um, I would say that when you're at the larger firms, they kind of, you kind of stay in your pocket of what you specialize in. Um, With the firm, when I started it, I just wanted it to be full out advisory of things that I've known and implemented and worked with before. So it's anything from agency rep to tenant rep um, to acquisitions, or maybe even putting together lands and doing consulting for new development. And for me, that's what I'm focusing on. Not so much putting myself in a pocket of one thing and this is what I'm focusing on, but kind of this is what I've worked with and this is what I know. And I just want to do good on that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it sounds like that's probably things that, that you've worked on in the past and you've been perfecting your craft over the years. And now you can present yourself at your own company and now service your your clients today, your your future clients, because you've you know put in the time and I'm also curious because I've been, you know, we obviously are connected on LinkedIn and on Instagram. What are your thoughts on social media in today's real estate world and how that is kind of impacting the future of doing business? So even beyond social media, it's like, how are we marketing our properties to the best of our ability to get it out there 
to maybe the audience that it needs to be seen by. And I think a lot of times people are very comfortable with, I want to send it to the ski blast and talk to take these brokers to lunch. And then I did my job. And for me, it's like, no, let's figure out a different way of getting in front of people who would actually need the space. Or if a client wants a space, how can I get in front of the buildings that, I don't know, have it? Um, so... I totally backtracked and we're gonna have to edit this out. What was your question? No, 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 so, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, you know, this is a, this is a casual conversation and everyone that's listening knows that we're free flowing here. And I think that's part of the, the unique elements of this four podcast. So my question was really how you're implementing social media. You know, I, I follow you on your, you know, personal page, work page, LinkedIn, we're connected. You post great stuff all the time. Do you think that social media is more influential now into really commercial real estate than ever before? Yeah, I think so. Um, and just for me in general, it's just the power of LinkedIn and just connecting to people, especially during COVID. People want to feel able to, and you want to connect with others too. Um, and a lot of times if we're not seeing each other face to face, how are we doing that now? It's through the Instagrams of the world. Through podcast, the podcast yep, of the world. <laughs> and through so LinkedIn. Um, but I think people are so almost overwhelmed with what they're shown. So it's just creating value um, and not really expecting anything in return, just putting stuff out there that you think would create value. And I think it's going to, I think it's underutilized and it should be more utilized. And if you just go back to what the residential realtors are doing, um, <laughs> you're seeing that they're out there, they're putting themselves out there and it may feel uncomfortable, but we should all kind of be doing that. That's the new way of the world and you're either going to adapt and kind of grow your brand and or yourself. die adapt or die <laughs> exactly you said it not me <laughs> Adapt or you, or you well, no, mind. Yeah, meanwhile that's, that's it's like literally the end of the world it's so black out <laughs> i feel like oh, we might die We're, i'm not sure what's going on anyone, right everyone that's listening it is a category five hurricane outside and we are still bringing you content via the podcast that's commitment. um <laughs> Exactly. So no, and, and to your point on social media, it really is crucial. And even in retail, I'm seeing that all the time. People are now bringing their, their phones in, recording themselves, showing spaces, advertising it, posting on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. And it actually, I've, I've seen it firsthand. It actually is resulting in deals because people are now, you know, I, I, I can tell you personally, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm on it 24-7. And if someone's posting something, yeah, I've watched that documentary. Right after the documentary, I went on Instagram immediately <laughs> after. So it didn't really work on me. But no, I'm, people are now doing business through social media or at least generating interest and generating leads, which is really what you want to do for your clients. You want to get every eyeball possible on your property. And you, if you're representing a tenant, you want to see every opportunity out there, whether it's off market, something you're, you know, an area you're not familiar with. And that's why, I mean, I think... I'm seeing the power of social media for my business. And it sounds like, you know, the both of you are as well. Yeah. Like for instance, I know you have a property on Las Olas because I've seen you post about it about five times. Like 87 times. You know what? But I oh, love five it. Times. Just five, not 87. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to post it. 82, 82 more, more times. times. Yeah. It's sorry. <laughs> right, uh, I got to work on my <laughs> map. It's so Erica, you made a couple of good points. Though. It's so true. I think people who aren't using LinkedIn and, and even Instagram to market their properties, market themselves and just have a presence are, are going to fall behind. Um, and then someone else who said too that I agree with is I, I think it is a little bit of a quality over quantity. Um, I think you got to be very specific and really 
add value with what you're posting, um, whether it's for your clients, whether it's for the audience. But I think there is a certain amount of quality versus quantity, where if you're almost kind of spamming people's LinkedIn with constant posts and it becomes a little bit too much, and then maybe people start to tune you out a little bit. But I, uh, it's interesting comment. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and I feel like people can also tell when you're trying to sell them too much or if you're coming off as like too salesy and inauthentic, like no one really wants to watch that video where I feel like I'm being sold about how you sold this listing for $5 million. It's like, right. okay, that's good. We're all doing deals. Yeah. So, like tell, add some value to my life. I always think before I, yeah. I post something, and I'm sure you, you both do the same, is if I was reading this on the other side, would I be interested? And if I wouldn't be, then maybe I shouldn't post this. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good metric. Yeah, that's a good point. Except Tyler, your some of your posts Excuse are me. but that's maybe for a late, later episode. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, on, on the topic of social media and LinkedIn specifically, you actually posted something today, which was really interesting and some big news happening in South Florida, which is Blackstone and their recent announcement of opening a, a pretty sizable office down here. You you both are the office people. What is it 40, 50,000 square foot office they're looking to open? Plus here? or minus. Yeah. Plus, plus or minus. <laughs> they're looking for 50,000. Such an office broker. <laughs> Masi Manos. Yeah, they're looking for yeah, 50,000 square feet in downtown or Brickell. And they're incentivized by um, the state of Florida to kind of come down here. But I think it's such a big testament because they're looking to hire 215 employees that are in the tech world. And when I first moved to Miami eight years ago, and I was a part of the New Year's Task Force for the Beacon Council, which is the Economic Development Committee here, um, one of the topics was actually the brain drain. So it was like, how do we recruit talent or how do we compete with these big tech cities and if we're not able to keep people in Miami? So I think Blackstone coming here and us having WinCode and IronHack and now kind of facilitating um, creating talent in Miami and keeping them here, it's a huge testament to the city and how it's going to grow and shift. Um, we're seeing just huge tech companies pop up here too. You see TaxFile, who is in the Inc. 500 um, top t tech tenants are fastest growing companies. They're based out of here too. You're seeing Papa come up here, which is another tech company. Mm -hmm. So I think it really puts Miami on the map. Um, and if anything, it's just really exciting to kind of have a company like Blackstone down here. Yeah. And, and well, no, I was, I was just going to ask real quick. Sorry, Tyler. If, do you think Blackstone making this big announcement, it's, it's obviously making a splash. If you're in commercial real estate, you, you've probably heard about it, read about it, seen it. Do you think them leading the charge with this big announcement, other companies are going to follow, which will directly benefit South Florida and Miami? Sure. I think, honestly, no one can predict the future, but I think it's a testament that we have the talent here. There's real value in lifestyle here versus maybe some of the other cities which are less affordable. Um, Miami is not a cheap city, but when you're comparing it to New York City, it's you get a better quality of life down here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we're definitely up there to start competing with those major. It's about time. And it's about time. I just... Let's I just go. wanted to add, Erica, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I uh, I think Blackstone, they selected Miami specifically. I, I don't know what other cities they were looking at, but they were looking at cities specifically for this tech platform that they're looking to build on. And they specifically selected Miami for the tech platform. So I think it really speaks to everything you're saying as far as we have the tech talent here. 
we're seeing more and more tech startups and, and just, you know, companies in that, that tech world come to Miami and expand in Miami. We all heard, <clears throat> heard about Spotify and, uh, and Wynwood. So could not agree more. I think it just really speaks well for South Florida and what we have to offer here in the tech world. And then I think just even broader, Blackstone coming to South Florida. John, your question about companies following suit. I mean, I think any type of company that is affiliated with Blackstone, service providers, uh, attorneys, whoever it is that, that does business with Blackstone, this now solidifies South Florida as being their, you know, one of their major locations. Yep. And those companies, whether they're here now or it's going to, you know, push them to come here in the future so that they're in the same city as Blackstone and they're, you know, they're around their client. Um, so I, Eric, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I do think we're going to see other companies that are associated with Blackstone either expand or, or come here to South Florida to be closer to their client and to just, you know, be in the city that Blackstone choose chose. Sure. It definitely choose choose shows. It definitely puts shows. on the, <laughs> it puts us on the map. And just even in the last week I've toured two firms from New York that were private equity that are coming here. And I saw that in twenty seventeen when the tax laws kind of changed. They saw it to be advantageous to spend like six months and one day in South Florida. Um, and we're seeing it even more now accelerated because of COVID. We have kind of those firms coming from the Northeast and even the West Coast and setting up shop here. So we'll see how that we, plays out. We probably, I would say two or three times out of the week, we're touring with groups from New York. It is, yeah. everyone talks about it, but it is so true. I mean, it's, it's they're, they're all coming and they're, uh, they're all looking down here. And uh, I saw an interesting report. It was, is it the TSA? Is that the airport security? Yeah. So the TSA yeah. came out with a report. The most, you gotta the travel most amount of travel in the United States is between South Florida and New York City right now, That's which is interesting. Yeah. And I think if you even look at the yeah. housing market, they're saying the supply in actual houses, let's omit condos, has decreased so much that the supply. I think there's like less than two months supply of houses on there and it's the New Yorkers coming down here and just seeing what they can mm -hmm. get versus what they're getting in New York. Well, it's probably so cheap. They're like, all right, I'll pay yeah. full price. Well, and there's no personal income tax. Yeah. There's so many, so many, uh, incentives. All right. We yeah. got, we got to start building houses. Should we just all start, <laughs> I think that's the next start another houses. company? Yeah. yeah. Another company. <laughs> The Eric and John Tyler company. Tyler needs to get on the Bachelorette so we could get a little more famous, and then we'll yeah, spit we, on that. We need a little more podcast. Star co-host. <laughs> Thank you. That's number. That's number one. That's number one. Star co-host. Uh, so I guess to elaborate a little bit more on you know just the South Florida office market. You two are the experts here. I'm just the lowly retail broker in the corner, hanging out. But I mean, I guess let's let's take maybe two or three minutes. Are you seeing? Any differences, changes from the office market, call it pre-COVID versus in today's now COVID world on how people are doing businesses, are lease terms being more flexible, are people looking for shorter term leases? What, what are you seeing in, in your day-to-day? -day? Erica? Sure. Um, so I'm pretty lucky in that the product that I'm working with right now is are in markets where we're actually haven't been affected by COVID. We've actually seen maybe an influx in activity just because people don't want to be working from home and they, but they don't want to come downtown to their office. 
Um, so they're looking for office space in South Miami and Coral Gables and maybe some of the places that are closer to home. Um, so we're seeing that. I mean, there is the report that came out that said we had negative absorption of around 400,000 square feet um, since the pandemic, which when you compare it to last year, I think it was about a million positive square feet of absorption. Um, we have early consultants coming out and saying by the end of the year that negative absorption can double to close to 800,000 square feet, whether that's from subleases or people kind of relinquishing their spaces or going dark, we don't know. But um, yeah. Subleases are, are popping up left and right, right? I know Tyler tells me. They are. Um, you know, just whenever I, I ask think, them what's going I on. I think there's, there's a definite lag in subleases. I mean, just within a corporation, there's a lot of decision makers that have to give the approval to put space on the market for sublease. So I think, I think there's a lag. I don't think we've seen the full extent of the subleases that are going to hit the market as a result of COVID. But um, I think so far it, it's, you know, there's, there's definitely been an uptick in the amount of subleases that have hit the market, but it is nothing like what you're seeing in San Francisco, in New York City, where they have, I don't even know what it was, 2 million square feet of sublease space. So it's, it's, it's going up, but because of... Yeah, but is that due to the size? And so, I just don't know, so I'm just asking. Is that due to the size? Is there more office space? I know in Manhattan, for sure, there is. So naturally, there would be more sublease space. It's but, bigger I markets. Mean, maybe there's so a there's, percentage there's to compare it to. New York City, San Francisco, yeah. they're, they're bigger markets, I think because of the fact that a lot of your tenant base in San Francisco are tech related, that a lot of those tech firms can more easily go to a work from home model or a remote model. So they're uh, making a quicker decision to put their space in the market for sublease. I think New York city is just, it's, it's a bigger market. Um, but in South Florida, it, there's definitely been an uptick. I will say because companies are looking for that flexibility and they're looking for those more aggressive rental rates that the activity on subleases has been strong. Uh, most subleases have, you know, multiple groups that are looking at them. So I think we've seen an uptick. It, it seems like the demand so far has been keeping up with that uptick because of companies looking for that flexibility and looking to get more aggressive on rental rate. But um, I don't I don't personally think we'll, we'll see the full extent of the amount of sublease space that's going to hit the market until call it Q1, Q2 next year, assuming. Well, well, real, real quick, Tyler, because that, that just brought me to another question for, for Erica is, I mean, we haven't really spoken about, and forgive me if, you know, we can't get into specifics, but I'm kind of curious about since you've, you know, started this new company, what what are you working on in the sense of agency listings, or I, I know you guys, you office folks keep things very, you know, close to home, but if there's anyone that, or anything that you can say that you're allowed to discuss get- as far as you know, buildings that you've picked up and what are you seeing in those buildings? And we don't need to get into specifics, like I said, but I'm, I think people listening will probably be curious because you have started this new company. It sounds like you've picked up some pretty, pretty serious business in the short time that you've been formed. And I think people would like to hear about, you know, what exactly you're working sure. on. I had um, lucky enough to have clients that came with me to the new firm and also just been actively going out there and uh, have a few listing agreements out for new buildings for lease and then also working on tenant rep. Um, exactly. <laughs> so been really lucky with that. I, I know that's probably not common. So we'll just hopefully have some cool stuff to work on and announce in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, just been working on that and kind of going back to your question because I thought it was kind of interesting of what incentives landlords are giving, at least with the landlords we're dealing with. They have banks 
and loans that they have to report to. So as much as tenants come back yep. and they're like, we would like our rent to be half of what we're paying and for you to give us maybe six months. It's like, oh my God. that's actually, I know all about that. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> actually not possible. And you know, it's kind of walking them through that process of why not, but getting creative and maybe how we retain the clients and how we kind of work with them um, to kind of figure out how we can keep them there and maybe even expand so that they can work from their office in a safe way that's within CDC guidelines. That makes sense. I think, yeah, we're, I, we're same. I was going to say, I go would ahead, think in ahead, the retail world, it's you're probably seeing it even more because there it's a direct, oh, direct yeah. correlation between people. We're asking a hundred, hundred bucks a foot. Like, oh, yeah, well, we'll I take would, that space for ten years, but we'll pay thirty. Bucks I would a think foot too, there's a pandemic going if the, on. If the retail nah. location's not making revenue, <laughs> well, then there's a little bit more justification for asking for revenue relief. But I was just gonna say, I'm, I'm sure Erica, you're, you're on the same page. You have to kind of figure out which tenants are being opportunistic and just looking to get a rent reduction, and which are actually struggling and, and need the help. And that's, that's kind of part of our job is, you know, figuring out who, who really needs this, this assistance, and who's just trying to be opportunistic and, and get some, some rent relief. Like we were at our yeah, apartment. I think initially, <laughs> I think initially the PPP loans came out and that really helped a lot of tenants with rent. So actually with rent collection, uh, the landlords I work with didn't have any issues collecting. Um, but I'm interested actually to hear more about the retail side because you do see a lot of stores that have gone darker that are affected by this. So I guess my question is, what is going to happen? What do you see happening with the mom and pop that have opened? Do you think it's going to create more of a disparity between mom and pop shops opening in Miami versus mm -hmm. corporations coming in. That's a good um, question. Or chains. That, that is a great question. So to start, I mean, Miami is getting more expensive from a retail perspective in general. So every year rents in, in the better areas are already expensive and getting more expensive. You know, and that's, that's, let's call it pre COVID. It's not a cheap place to open a business. You know, my, my family, for example, had a store in Fort Lauderdale and one of the best shopping centers. My mom had a boutique and, you know, they, they successfully operated there for five years, but it came to the point where it just didn't make sense to keep operating to pay the rent past the escalations. When it came time to renew, the fair market value just jumped wow. up so high. It didn't make sense for them to operate. And someone came in, a big national came and took their space because they can afford it. So it, it's a little bit different now, especially with COVID, it's been even harder because if you were just getting by or you're slightly profitable, you're making some, some decent money, you're a local mom and pop, and your business went from doing well to zero, and no one could physically come shop, to your, shop in your store or eat at your restaurant, but you still owed X amount of dollars a month to your landlord and they weren't willing to work with you or they were willing to work with you and whatever they were offering wasn't enough. You just have no choice. You're you're shit out of luck. Yeah. Excuse my language. So it's a it's it's a difficult time, but I will say that it's created a lot of new opportunities for new businesses, especially from out of the state. We're seeing a lot of groups from New York come down to Miami, not just in the office world like you mentioned, but also in the retail world, new restaurant groups coming down here and saying, Oh wow, the rent's <laughs> 120 bucks a foot. That's cheap. I pay a thousand dollars a foot on Fifth Avenue, two thousand bucks a foot. So it's, it's a little bit different. It also depends on the market, but I will see, say that retail is not dying for anyone listening. I think I've said this on like every single episode, just so everyone knows, but it's evolving and it really has the, the COVID situation has created new opportunities for people that were doing well, had, you know, strong balance sheets, plenty of money to open new locations where 
if you take Brickle, for example, it's very tight market. It's really hard to come in here and even take a thousand feet because there's just very little vacancy. But because of COVID, things have opened up. People are struggling. They're behind on rent. So if that space hasn't been available historically for the past 10, 20 years, maybe now it is. So you're going to see Brickle changing. It already has. And, you know, neighborhoods just like that. But others are definitely struggling. Call it a Lincoln Road, for example. But I do think everything's going to come we're, back to normal once it already has in South Florida. You know, slowly adjusted. I mean, we're 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 where people want to come and where people want to be. So I, I would think. Yeah, but tourism is struggling. So it's like it, tourism's Yeah, exactly. Tourism's huge. Lincoln Road is, is quiet right now. There's 12, 13 million visitors on Lincoln Road historically. And I suspect there's going to be a lot of pent up demand for people who <laughs> wanted to travel this year and couldn't, wanted to go to call it Lincoln Road and couldn't. Hey, we hope so. And we think so. And people are enthusiastic long term. You know, it's it's everyone's hoping. And no matter where you work or what you do, that this is a short term thing. And you know, I, I, I am confident in the future for everyone, for office industrial. I don't even want to talk about them because they didn't miss a beat. Retail. <laughs> um, I'm confident in multifamily is obviously good too and, and all that stuff. But that leads me to my next point, actually, which is we like to, we just started doing this the past few episodes is the rapid fire. Quick questions. You got three to four seconds max. I'm going to time you on this one question. And that would be, where would you invest your money today, real estate related, whether it be multifamily, hotel, office, industrial, retail, you don't have to say retail just because I'm asking. Oh, I would a question. never do anything. Where would you just invest your own your favor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, where would you invest your money today if you had to make a sure. bet? And why? So, I would go with like what is our age group able to penetrate and be go to single family houses because we could easily get in there. And um, that's what I know. That's what I own. I have an income producing property that gives me passive income. So, that's where I would go to right away. That's awesome. So are you, is that, um, you know, a personal side goal of yours is to accumulate a number of houses and rent them out and collect that yeah, passive so income? I think we're in an interesting industry that doesn't have a 401k and you're not getting some retirement plan at the end. So I've always just kind of been, I've like I said, when I was interested in real estate, it was residential side. And um, yeah, having that passive income and also just... Uh, investing in stocks too so just making sure that you stocks only go up and they've been going up pretty well lately surprisingly so cold storage yeah not knock on wood knock on wood um <laughs> ghost kitchens cold storage that's ghost your choice supermarkets cold storage you just like to eat <laughs> no that's great i, I like the fact that you know, you, you chose an answer or something that you're actually doing yourself. And you are right that it's probably the most achievable asset class for someone that's that's younger looking to invest in a single family home instead of, you know, getting into something that's multi, multi-million dollars. So it's a little bit more realistic. So that's actually, that really resonates and is a good point. So Tyler, we Let's should probably it. start a, a side fund and, and get a house. I get, we'll talk I get about that. Deal. All right, yeah, yeah, because you gave exactly. the idea. I was going to offer 20. Oh, well, we have this on record um, that you're going to offer me 20, so let's jump back to that. No, 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 Delete. I'm going to delete this part. Um, we actually, we have a good question from the audience related to the Whitco group. This is from Adam Dominic. He shot this in through the, uh, the four Instagram page at Future of Real Estate. Check it out, whoever's listening that doesn't follow. Um, for the Whitco group, <laughs> group, excuse me. 
do you plan to hire or grow your brokerage in the next few years? And what's the kind of next couple of years sure. plan yeah, for the company? Yeah, I'm looking um, to grow just the brokerage side of it. And that's definitely on the radar and the trajectory um, and currently in the process of doing it. So the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Okay. So you're, you're interviewing people you're looking to grow already. That's awesome. So well, good for you. So last question, this is actually, I'm not going to lie. This has flowed. So well. we're over we time. Fly. I know we're over time, but it's, it's awesome. It, I feel like we just started. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts on four in general and you know, the, the real estate networking group that we started here and really people, because not just, you know, four members listen to this podcast, a lot of other people listen to this podcast. I don't know what four is. And I think they would maybe like to hear from you, your thoughts on the value of networking in general when it sure. comes to commercial real estate. I will just say that, and I think I told you this before we even started that I'm just so impressed by how much you guys have grown for, um, just the, I guess, quality of people. When people go to networking events, you're like, okay, great. They're trying to entice me with this $50 Amex gift card to come. And no gift cards at four events. Um, and with... <laughs> <laughs> Never. Free uh -oh. bottles, though, maybe. <laughs> just kidding. He's I'm retracting kidding. that offer. Um, but with your yeah. guys, it's just so organic and you just see people from all sides. It's not just brokers trying to sell you on things. It's developers, it's people in the finance world. Um, so it's always felt super natural and comfortable and an event you actually want to go to. That's great feedback. <laughs> That's, I appreciate that. And what do you think about just, just networking? Yeah. We're going to save that. You can put it at the front of your podcast. Um, that's going to go on the Instagram page. Um, so what, so networking in general though, for the commercial real estate industry, how, how vital do you think it is or not? I mean, if anyone's being successful, not, they shouldn't be a mainstream. I think you're wrong in the wrong business. business. You shouldn't be here. You're out. Um, honestly, it's a relationship business at the end of the day. You'll see people win pitches or projects and it's all dependent on the relationship. You could go in maybe with a better pitch and you're like, why did that person get it? And at the end of the day, it's relationship and who do they want to work with so i think it's just being authentic in yourself and what you have to offer and i'm um, just putting yourself out there and going for it and i know you had one thing that you kind of asked beforehand so i'm just gonna i know we were like running short on time and it, yeah, i would no, say um and it had to do with like starting the own brokerage like it and if something scares you you should do it but I think the first step is always so uncomfortable. And I think a lot of times people overthink like, what is someone going to think of me if I do this? Or they over process what could happen. And it's like, if you really think what's the worst thing that could happen, whether it's like when you cold call someone and you might have like that anxiety or fright, it's like, that's actually not that bad. Maybe they'll reject me, but like, who cares? Right. I'll move on. Um, so that's just my kind of tidbit. Like if something scares you, do it. And um, don't overthink it. Don't try to like achieve perfection. Just cannot agree it. with that more. If I could throw yeah. a quote out there that I really like, it's use yeah, fear that's, that's as awesome. a tailwind, not a headwind. Ooh, Ooh that's good, right? That's good. That's going yeah. on my Instagram tomorrow, and that's wow. why you're the co-star. Big quote guy. <laughs> Who knew no. Tyler was so deep? Who I knows? love it. <laughs> Huge quote guy. <laughs> All right, well, th Thanks, this is awesome. Thank you so much, yeah, Erica, thanks for, for having joining. Me. Tyler. Star, star co-host as always. I love the Erica, first you question. You stole the show, I though. I'm not going to lie. This question. was a great episode. I mean, we're... What was the... Oh, the... I know. We might see you soon. Oh, I know. <laughs> the best Forget Matt from CBRE. It could be Tyler. 
The recruiter is going to hear ABC, this podcast I'm ready. and co- you know probably call her for the next season. We'll be proactive. <laughs> well, well, so Erica, so while we we end here, can you tell everyone listening the best place to reach you, your contact information, whether it's email, Instagram, phone number, whatever you feel comfortable, just because we normally get a lot of questions after the podcast. People want to reach out. Sure. If you can just if share with everyone me, listening. You can reach me at Erica. My parents decided to spell my name a little differently. So it's E-R-I-C-K-A at wakecogroup.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at wakecogroup.com or my personal, which is at Erica Kim. And my phone number, because it's my work phone number, so you could text me and not be a creep. It's 305-425-1230. Got it. So easy. Right, <laughs> write that down. Um, so Whitco, can you spell that for everyone listening just to make sure? So sure, everyone's W-I-T-K-O. Okay, perfect. Awesome. All right, well, thank you both, Erica. This was unbelievable. Great you. episode. You did awesome. <laughs> Tyler, you did whatever. Uh, just just kidding. Uh, no, this, this was great. Thank you both. Uh, this was awesome. Got a lot of great insight, and I can't wait for everyone I'm to excited. enjoy Thanks, Erica. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Four Peers and Beers podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Future of Real Estate and on Spotify for more episodes.